The following sermon is from Faith Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Join us on Sundays for our 8.15 and 11 a.m. worship services. For more information, visit us online at faith-pca.org. We've been looking this Advent season, we've been looking at the Christmas story through the eyes of Matthew. We've been in the Gospel of Matthew, and Advent is a time in the church calendar where people focus on the Incarnation, and the Incarnation just simply means God taking on flesh, coming into this world in the person of Jesus Christ. We talk about it other times of the year, but we pay special attention to it and sing about it uh, and uh, look at God's Word and, and, uh, and Christmas around this idea of God becoming man. And so we've been doing that through Matthew. Last week we were in Matthew chapter 2 looking at the response to Jesus. And then the next passage, you might think, well, we're going to look at the next passage. Well, I looked at that passage and um, Mary and Joseph are fleeing for their lives and Herod is trying to kill everyone. And I didn't think that was very Christmassy. Um, and that seemed like kind of a downer. He's trying to kill all the male children under two. Uh, and so we're actually going this morning to revisit the birth of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Martin has already read the passage, and so let's dig right in. Three points, as always, this morning. If you're a note taker, the challenge of Christmas. Secondly, the comfort of Christmas. Lastly, the center of Christmas, the challenge, the comfort, the center of Christmas. Let's look at our first heading, the challenge of Christmas. Look at verse 18 with me. Mary has been betrothed to Joseph. She finds out that she is with child from the Holy Spirit. Can't say everything about being betrothed, but just know that it's more than being engaged. It was a final, at that time, a final and permanent state. When you were betrothed to someone, you actually took vows. You made a pledge. You stood before witnesses. And you were not allowed to be alone as a couple uh, outside the presence of other adults uh, or your parents during uh, that time of being betrothed. And it was during that time that somehow Joseph learns that Mary is with child. And so let's stop right here just a second. We like to sentimentalize the Christmas story. But think about this just for a second with me. Can you imagine Joseph? Uh, His pain and his confusion. Can you imagine him trying to tell his friends and trying to tell his family that Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit? There is not a one of us that would want this story for our lives. There is not a one of us in this room that would not run from this story, that would not do everything possible in order to create a new story for our lives. Maybe that would mean moving to a new state, moving somewhere away from here where we could start over. Verse 20. But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord shows up and says, Joseph, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for she is conceived by the Holy Spirit. We learned something very significant about Christianity in the Christmas story. Right at the heart of the Christmas story and at the heart of Christianity is God is a God of gracious revelation of truth. 
And isn't that really what you see in the entire Christmas story and other Look at Luke, and we see it here in Matthew, but right at the heart, think about Mary, the angels coming to Mary. You have, you see it here with Joseph, the shepherds have angels coming to them, the wise men, the star, Simeon. And in every case, God mercifully and graciously reveals in some way, reveals his truth. And that shows us something very important about Christianity right from the very beginning, right from the birth of Jesus. We learn that Christianity, it's not a blind faith. It is a revealed faith. It is centered on God's gracious revelation of truth. And notice how Joseph responds to that truth in this passage. He trusts it. He walks by faith. Look at verses 23 and 24. He wakes up from his sleep and he does exactly as the angel commanded him to do. Mary is a virgin, pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This is crazy. It's really hard to believe. And notice Joseph doesn't say, it's crystal clear now. I'm all in on this plan. I'm really excited about this plan. No, Joseph doesn't do any of that, but he does do this. He moves forward in faith. He follows God even when it doesn't make sense. Even when he doesn't know how this is all going to work out. Even when he doesn't know what the future brings. Friends, the Christmas story is really challenging when you dig into it. Because the Christmas story teaches us that sometimes God calls us to do things that the world will scorn. God sometimes calls us to do things that the culture is going to think is crazy. God will call us to do things that are very costly to us personally. Calls us to do things that we don't always completely understand. Think about the cost to Joseph. I mean, he can't control the press. Lies or... Shameful rumors are going to most certainly spread about him and his family. And guilt will be assumed. And he controls none of that. But you know what? Joseph is willing to be shamed because he believes God. Because he trusts God. He trusts God and God's revealed truth more than what people think of him. God has completely turned Joseph's life upside down, but Joseph gives up his plan in his story to be part of God's plan and God's story. What about us this Christmas? How do we respond when God calls us to walk by faith? And things that we don't completely understand, are we willing to only obey if it fits our agenda, only obey if it makes complete sense to us and we have it all figured out, only obey when it means no scorn and no suffering and only our comfort. You see, the challenge of Christmas is that it is a call to drop the word if and all of our conditions and to live by faith in God's revelation. For Joseph, It was the revelation of the angels. For us, it is something way more sure, way more solid. It is 
the very written word of God. Secondly, the comfort of Christmas. You see, in this passage, God becomes human and is born of a virgin Mary. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, and the virgin birth ensures it's important. We can't get into all of that this morning. We've talked about it in weeks past, but it ensures on one hand that Jesus is not infected by sin, uh, but it also ensures us, too, that God or that Jesus can fulfill the law's demand that the first human being, Adam, could not do. He failed to fulfill the law's command, and Jesus, being sinless, fulfills the demands of the law for us. So that's all part of it, but it also means, and this is where I want to focus, that Jesus is not, by being born into this world through Mary, that he's not isolated from humanity. And that's really important because that's what makes Jesus, makes Christianity different than every other religion in the world. Every other religion says you climb your way up to God, you work your way to get to him. Christianity is different because it says God came down. That's what we celebrate. Hebrews chapter 2, Jesus, it says Jesus was made like us. Think about this. I know this is really, we, some of us have been in services like this forever and it's easy to go in one ear and out the other. Jesus was made like us in every way. Why? Hebrews 2 said so that he could help us. Think about what it's like when you're suffering or you have a diagnosis of some sort or struggling and you see someone or have a conversation with someone who has been through the exact same thing. You know what that's like? Where they get you and when they say things and it's like you're speaking the same language, so to speak. And you realize that all of a sudden you have a new power to comfort other people. Well, the fact that God became flesh means that God suffered in every way and that he now has infinite power to comfort you. To comfort you in your suffering and pain because God has been there. And let's work that out a little bit. Think about your life. Have you been in relationships that have gone sour or maybe family relationships that have gone sour or are estranged in some way, so has Jesus. Have you felt insignificant? Have you felt betrayed by other people? So has Jesus. Maybe this morning you're facing your death. Jesus in Christmas tells us, that Jesus knows what that is like, that he understands, and that he will be with you to the end. Think about Psalm 23, verse 4. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, have no fear. Why? Because God is with you, and he will comfort you. Maybe this morning you feel lonely, and Christmas is a reminder of your loneliness and a reminder that there's an empty seat at your table and it's a reminder of your loss. Jesus knows what it's like to be lonely. Maybe you think, well, you don't understand. I have prayed and begged God for prayers over and over and he has not answered them. Well, Jesus knows what that's like too. Remember he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he says, God, take this cup away from me, this cup of wrath. And he gets silence from God. 
and you say, no, you don't understand. God has abandoned me. It feels like God's abandoned me. Jesus knows what that is like too. On the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, I think the fact that God became human Christmas is really good news, particularly for our church during this season. There has been a lot of loss in our church this year. The loss of spouses, the loss of parents and siblings and family members. And our tendency when we feel that loss is to feel like no one gets us. And it pushes us at times to deeper isolation. Christmas is good news for your soul because it says and assures you that you're never alone. That God knows what it's like. He's been to the places you have been. You can trust Him. You can rely on Him. You can talk to Him about it. He has the power to truly comfort you in whatever it is that you're going through. Lastly, the center of Christmas. Look at verse 22. This is a quote from Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us is the center of the Christmas story. And you could say in many ways, it is the center of the entire Bible and the way that God always intended for it to be. Think about the Bible. Let's walk through it. Think God created the world. He created Adam and Eve, our first parents. And then what did God do? He was present with them, walking with them in the garden. And you know, chapter 3, they sin. God kicks them out of the garden, but God never stopped walking towards his people, vowing to one day and be with them and to always be with them. And we see that throughout the Old Testament, God would show up and be present with his people through the tabernacle and through the temple and through the glory cloud. And these were temporary places where God would dwell and show up with his people and be present among them. And then all of that is pointing towards Christmas. It's all pointing towards the New Testament leading to a greater glory and a greater intimacy when God would come and be with us on the earth and he would walk with us once again through the person of Jesus Christ, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and laid in a manger in Bethlehem. Friends, this is stunning. And it doesn't amaze us, and it doesn't amaze me, sadly. It doesn't amaze us nearly as much as it should have, or as it should. I mean, think about this. If Abraham and Moses were here right now, they would say, God did what? He took on flesh and came into the world as a baby? And you know why they would say that? Because any time in the Old Testament when you would draw near to God, It was absolutely terrifying. God appeared to Abraham as a smoking pot, to Israel as a pillar of fire, to Job as a hurricane or tornado. Exodus chapter 33, Moses asked to see God's face, and he can't see God's face because he's told that it will kill him. And then in Exodus chapter 34, Moses comes down off of Mount Sinai after being in the presence of God and the people 
Can't even look at him. He's so radiant. They can't even look at him in the face because he's been with God. And now you see through Jesus, God comes down not as fire, but as a baby. Why? Verse 21, to save his people from their sins. And so that God could be with us and have a personal relationship with us. And maybe this morning, you don't, you're wondering, how do you have a personal relationship with God? God is holy, and I'm not. And you see, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so in order to have a personal relationship with God, someone has to pay the debt of sin that we owe. And we pay or God pays. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God pays. You see, at Christmas, God comes to earth in the person of Jesus and lives the life that we could never live, the perfect life that we could never live, and dies the death that we deserve for our sin on a cross. And when we trust in Jesus by faith, check this out. We get Jesus' perfect record of righteousness that he earned for us in his life on earth, and he gets our sin. He completely forgives us all of our sin, past, present, and future. John Piper summed it up this way. I thought this was a great quote that I saw this week. Christmas, the Son of God expressing the love of God to save us from the wrath of God so that we could enjoy the presence of God. Dorothy Sayers is an author. She was a friend of C.S. Lewis. She was the first, one of the first women to attend uh, Oxford, and she was a writer of detective fiction, and she wrote a series of novels, perhaps you've read them, Lord Peter Whimsey. And Lord Peter Whimsey was a detective, and he was single and alone, and in the middle of the series, Dorothy Sayers introduces a tall woman named Harriet Vane. And Harriet Vane is one of the first women to go to Oxford. She is a writer of detective fiction. And she falls in love with Peter. And they get married and they solve mysteries together. And over the years, people have speculated that Dorothy Sayers looked into the world that she had created. And she specifically looked at the character that she created in Peter Whimsey, and she saw his loneliness and pain. And she fell in love with him and wrote herself into the story just so she could save him. Friends, that's Christmas. That's the Christmas story. That's what we're celebrating this morning. God sees what he had created the world and the pain and the loneliness, and specifically he sees us, the image of God, and he sees us in our sin and pain, and out of love, God writes himself into the story through the person of Jesus Christ. Why? In order to save us. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time of year. It's a wonderful time of year. We celebrate, some of us, um, 
though it is hard because we miss people we love. Wherever we are, would you be near? Would you be God with us? Would we lean into that and would you um, make that more real to our hearts than ever before? Would you help us to ponder what we've heard today? Move us by the Christmas story. If there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, has not trusted in you alone to save them from their sins, I pray that you would give them faith in belief this morning in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.